This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 55. The Cubs Club, the Cardinals. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, follow us on Facebook as well. You can also email us, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy Monday, and it is a happy one. What a weekend. The Cubs take three or four from the Cardinals. I went down to the Iowa Cubs game and saw a walk-off home run. I am on cloud nine right now, Dustin. All right, well, let's start with that, Crowley. Tell me about the walk-off home run. Who hit it? What was the situation? Yeah, Cubs down by one run in the ninth inning, two outs. Edwin Rios hits a 450-foot bomb to about left center. So the place went nuts. I jumped on the dugout. It was crazy. Nice. Very cool. And the uh, Iowa Cubs are still doing good, right? Hayden Wisniewski just had a nice uh, start out there for them. Yeah, I got to see Hayden. The slider looked nasty. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. All right. Well, enough about the Iowa Cubs. Let's talk about the big Cubs, the Cubs with the big C, because the uh, dreaded Cardinals were in town. And game number one goes all the way back on Thursday night. Marcus Stroman on the bump. Marcus Stroman versus Steven Matz. You and I both agreed this was the one that the Cubs easily should have taken on paper and the Cubs lose seven to two. So that ended up being their only loss. The game was bad in every single aspect, Dustin. Pitching, hitting, defense, all bad. Stroman struggled and definitely was not helped by his defense. Cardinals scored first when Wilson Contreras, who else, right? Singled and scored Paul Goldschmidt. Now, the run was unearned because of the first of two fielding errors by Patrick Wisdom. But Wilson is hitting 364, 8 for 22 in six games against the Cubs. So, okay, you're down one nothing, no big deal. But the wheels fell completely off in the top of the fourth. Uh, Stroman's going to give up a two-run blast to Jordan Walker. And later in the inning, Nolan Arenado's going to hit a two-run double, and the Cubs were down 5 to nothing. David Ross had seen enough, and Stroman's knife was over. Michael Rauker came in to finish the inning, but when he came back out in the fifth, he gave up a two-run homer to Paul DeYoung. Back to Stroman, though. He went 3.2 innings pitch, gave up seven hits, five runs, four of them earned. He walked four and struck out four. So it was his third shortest start of the season, and his seven hits allowed were the second most of 2023. So Stroh right now is 0-3 with a 623 ERA and three starts this season against the Cardinals. I know how much you love that. But yeah, that's not that's not going to cut it. That that that's not going to cut it. The, the four walks bothers me. Not being mentally tough enough to handle the errors behind you bothers me. So that that this was the most disappointing Stroman start of the year. Yeah, Dustin. He he had a streak of seven quality starts in a row. He has not post. He's only posted one in four, out of his last five starts. Should the Cubs be hitting the panic button when it comes to Stroh, Dustin? Um, I don't know that they should be hitting the panic button, but this is, again, going back to what I said all season long. This is why they, thankfully, did not back up the truck and pay this guy during the season. You need to see how he does over the course of hopefully, you know, 25 to 30 starts. 
He's been really, really good. Of course he has been, but I'm not paying a guy on the other side of 30, a hundred million dollars, just not doing it right now. So, uh, you know, if the Cubs are, if the Cubs are sitting real close to 500 after this White Sox series, maybe, maybe you don't move them. Maybe you're buying and you're buying another pitcher. But uh, right now, I don't know if anybody's going to give you quite what you thought you were going to get from Marcus Stroman after these last couple of starts. I, again, the, I think the blister kind of affected two of those starts. Um, you know, he did really good against Boston, which Boston's been on fire lately. I still think he brings you a return. It's just a question if the Cubs want to extend him or trade him at this point. Right. Well, again, if you're not going to, if you don't want him back next year, then I think you should trade him. If you want him back next year and you want to take a run at this central division, then you keep him. But you can't, you can't not trade him and then not offer him something in the offseason. So that's the that's that's the tricky part of this whole thing. Now, the offense was just as bad. Coming into Thursday, Dustin, there had been 142 MLB pitchers to make at least 10 starts this season, and only two of them failed to have one victory. One of them was the Cubs le- or Cardinals lefty Steven Matz, who hadn't recorded a win in nearly a year, and he goes ahead and dominates the Cubs. Five innings pitched, gave up one run on three hits with one walk and six Ks. The Cubs only scored two runs on six hits, leaving nine men on base, going one for eight with runners in scoring position. The only offense really came from Jan Gomes, who scored the Cubs' first run by hitting an RBI triple in the fourth, and then he hits another triple in the bottom of the seventh. Now, again, Jordan Walker, the prized rookie of the Cardinals, he can really hit, but the defense leaves a lot to be desired. So he was a little bit assisting on some of those, but – you take a look at it, Gomes is going to score on the uh, Christopher Morel ground out. So Gomes was three for four with an RBI and a run scored. He is the third oldest catcher at 36 years old in one day since 1901 with two triples <laughs> in a game. Hat tip to the great Sarah Langs on that one. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was the only highlight of the night, Jan Gomes, with the uh, two triples. They seemed tired. They seemed not enthused, um, uninspired. Um, and that's just a bad way to handle a rival anytime. That, that really was disappointing. Right. Well, game two, once we get to game two and game three, then we start talking about traditional wild and crazy Cubs-Cardinals games that we are used to. This one was a nail-biter. Uh, Justin Steele on the mound. The Cardinals jumped out to an early lead with one out. The Cardinals loaded the bases. Andrew Kinziger hit a little weak ground ball to third. Miles Masterboni took the out at first, and that made it one nothing. People thought he should have gone home with it. I thought he made the right call. Steele walked the next batter to load the bases, but got Dylan Carlson to ground into a double play to end the threat. Um, it was what recent Hall of Fame announcer Pat Hughes called one of those turning point moments in the bottom of the third. The Cubs tie it up on Miles Masterboni's first MLB home run ever, a solo shot to tie the game. Get it wasn't this, a cheapie either. It wasn't a cheapie, so it wasn't a basket. Um, good for him. Uh, about time. About damn well, time. Well, let's go with this here, Dustin, because since being recalled from AAA on July 8th, Miles is batting 429 with one double, one home run, eight runs scored, a 429 OBP, and two stolen bases. So he did start batting. 29 games to start the season, he was batting 145. So good to see him start to come around. And sometimes it's hard when you're not an everyday consistent player to get into a rhythm, and I'm glad that he's able to do that. You saw it with Magical, same thing. Struggled to start the season and then got hot before he got injured. Or he likes that MLB uh, meal money much better than he likes the uh, minor league (laughs) meal money. Maybe. Now, the Cubs added some more runs in the bottom of the third one. Mike Talkman, Palatine Pounder, doubles to score Miguel Amaya. And we'll talk about him at the end. But Cody Bellinger homered, and the Cubs were Cubs were up 4-1. to one. Justin Steele's cruising, but in the seventh with one out, Jose Fermin singles, and Steele's day was done. He went 6.1 innings, gave up six hits, two runs, one walk, and a season-high nine strikeouts. A great quality start, and so good to see Justin Steele looking good. He looked but, fantastic. I liked I liked what you saw to him. Yeah, he comes out, though, and then Julian Merriweather took over. He strikes out Lars Newtbar before walking Paul Goldschmidt. Wild pitch is going to move the runners to second and third, and Nolan Arenado, who was on our hot list, singled to make it four to three. But Wilson Contreras strikes out to end the threat. I don't know how bad you were chewing your nails, Dustin, but I was sweating. I thought for sure Wilson was going to come through. Yeah, that was a tough one. I'm glad Wilson didn't. I did think he was going to uh, do that, but uh, 
Fortunately, he did not. And I can't, it, it's amazing that the rumors today are that Wilson Contreras is being shopped around by the Cardinals. Basically, they said, that, you know, the, the two guys, Arenado and Goldschmidt, who we talked about last time, are, are not moving and everyone else is available. So that just shows you what a disaster that signing was for the Cardinals. Yeah, it's been rough. They're going to have to eat a lot of money if they have any any plan to get rid of Wilson Contreras. But Dustin, you know, we do need to talk about the eighth inning. You know me, man. I'm a, I mean, look at me. If you're watching on the Scores uh, YouTube channel, you can see I'm surrounded by Cubs memorabilia. I love the Car Cubs and I hate the Cardinals with every bounce of my being. But what happened in the eighth inning of this game was a joke and MLB needs to address it, okay? Down four to three, riding a six-game winning streak and the Cardinals season on the line, the Cardinals load the bases with one out. Michael Fulmer and Mark Leiter walk the bases loaded. Cannot happen, Dustin. Cannot happen. It's inexcusable. With one out, pitch hitter Alec Burleson is up to the plate, and Mark Leiter cannot throw strikes. Now, again, if you are on the you watching on YouTube on the 670 the Score channel, make sure to subscribe. I'm putting up the graphic that shows what happened, Leiter versus Burleson. The first three pitches are nowhere close to the strike zone. Okay, so he cannot throw a strike lighter. He walked the previous batter, and these three pitches are way outside and high. Then it gets to pitch number four, the fourth pitch. The fourth pitch is slightly outside, but definitely outside. It is called a strike. That makes it three and one, bases loaded, one out. The fifth pitch of this at bat is nowhere near a strike. I don't know how he missed this call. And that would make it three to two. And then Leiter throws one even further outside. Burlinson has no idea what this umpire is going to call. So he goes low and outside to get the ball, grounds into a double play. And that is going to end the threat. And the Cubs are going to win that game four to three. But that was a run right there for the Cardinals. The game should have been tied. And do, am I happy that the Cubs got the benefit of the count? Yes, but if it would have gone the other way, Dustin, you and me would have be oh. flipping out right now. That would be that would have been that would have been the basis of the entire podcast today had it gone the other way. It, 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 in, in this day and age, if MLB wants to get in bed with gambling, I'm not a gambler. I had no money on the game, but if they want to get in bed with with gambling and all that stuff, imagine if you had money on that game. I mean, that's oh wrong. I'm I'm telling yeah. you this, Dustin. I said I was down in Iowa this weekend. They had the ABS system there in AAA. If, uh, to remind our listeners, the ABA system is when you, when a, either a pitcher, a catcher, or a batter can challenge a call. You have only a limited amount. I think it's three per game. So as long as you're right on your challenge, you re retain all three. If you're wrong, you lose one. Okay? And it worked fine. It was awesome. They would challenge. It, you, you have to tap your helmet immediately or tell the umpire immediately. It goes up on the screen. They show it exactly like we saw um, what I showed on here on the board. And you get the call right in these critical moments. That was inexcusable. Yeah, it is. And you're right. But uh, thankfully, it went, the, uh, it went the Cubs way. And they were able to hang on and win this one. Yeah, they, the offense scored four runs on nine hits. Bellinger, three for four with two RBIs. And Miles Mastroboni, two for three with that solo home run, Dustin. No, now, well, now all of a sudden he's in there for his bat. I knew they needed to play him for his defense after Thursday night after Patrick Wisdom forgot how to play third base. So I expected him out there. I definitely didn't expect that home run. Well, I'll tell you, as far as what to expect, I had no idea what to expect with game three. As the Cubs say, Michael Fulmer is going to start. We remember we talked about the TBD. We were yep. kind of like, okay, what's going on here? So the Cubs, were they going to go a bullpen game? Didn't know. So Michael Fulmer is going to start against Miles Michaelis. The Cubs win this one in a wild eight to six game, classic Cubs Cardinals, and probably one of the signature wins of the season. So the opener strategy, Michael Fulmer comes out to start the game. And then the very first pitch, Lars Newtbar hits a home run. Didn't look like it was I mean, going to work out. At that point, I, I was totally deflated. I was totally <laughs> deflated at that point. I'm like, really? After hanging on on Friday, this is how we're going to start Saturday? And it was just such a weird thing with saying Fulmer's going to start and what are we going to expect in the, the very first pitch out. That being said, Fulmer did eh, okay. He gave, went two innings. He gave up one run on three hits with one walk and two Ks. But in the third, Drew Smiley comes into the game. So... Okay, why didn't he start? I don't know. Were they trying something? I don't know. But the results for Drew Smiley were the same. Awful. 
He went 3.2 innings, gave up five runs on six hits, one walk and five Ks. Smiley has a 7.59 ERA in seven outings, six starts since June 14th. This can't keep happening, Dustin. No, not if you're going to be any kind of a legitimate. I, I thought for sure that Hayden Wisniewski was going to be up. Instead of throwing the game in Iowa on Friday or Saturday, he would have thrown it up at Wrigley. And I, here's what I also don't get. Why would you start Fulmer if you're going to bring in Smiley? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, were you no. punishing Were you punishing Drew Smiley? I mean, is that what we're doing? I don't think you do that at the big league level. If you're going to punish him, then you don't play him. That, that's punishment. So I don't know. I mean, they just – and there was no explanation. Zero explanation because the Cubs end up winning this wild game, right? Other right. than to say that – other than to say that we'll let you know what we're going to do with Drew Smiley in the future. So it wasn't like some team wanted him, so you're keeping him – you know, keeping him out of the game so that he doesn't get hurt and ruin his trade value. It, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. It, it was bizarre to say the least. Maybe they thought that if he had a little more time to warm up or I, I couldn't even, I, I, I can't even figure out a, a reason it happened, but it happened. And not only that, here's another head scratcher for you, right? Smiley's pulled in the six with two outs after giving up a single to Lars Newtbar. Who does David Ross call out of the bullpen? Rookie Daniel Palencia. So remember Daniel Palencia, he started the, he started last, he finished last season in single A and then he went through double-A uh, and triple-A this year, and he's up. But they put the kid in an extremely high-leverage situation in a tie game in a critical series. He comes in. He throws a wild pitch to move Newpar to second, walk Goldschmidt, walk Gorman to load the bases, threw his second wild pitch of the inning to score Newtbar, and that gave the Cardinals a 6-5 to five lead. But with runners on second and third and two outs, Palencia was able to get Nolan Arenado to ground out. Again, chewing my nails and sweating profusely was I. Yeah, I can't believe that they left him in at that point, but they really were kind of towards the end of having guys left. A wild, wild game. Now, the offense, Dustin, was the real hero of this game. In the last episode, we talked about how the core of Horner, Happ, and Suzuki had been struggling in the month of July. Happ struggling all year, Suzuki up and down, Horner just with a bad month of July, and that Swanson had been injured most of the month, and that was the core of this team. Well, Sam uh, Swanson came out of the off the IL for this game, and Horner and Suzuki have been picking it up since the National Series. The Cubs' offense overcame four different deficits. They were down 1-0, 3-1, 5-3, to win this game. They scored eight runs on 15 hits with the core of the team leading the way. Horner, 3-for-4. Hap, 2-for-3 with two walks. Bellinger, 2-for-5 with four RBIs. Suzuki, 3-for-5 with two RBIs. And Swanson in his first game back, 2-for-4 with an RBI. I think, Dustin, this was the offense Jed and Carter envisioned at the start of the season. Well, you can see how important having both Cody Bellinger and Dansby Swanson in that lineup are. Um, and it's about damn time Dansby Swanson was back in there. I'm sick and tired of seeing him on marquee taking ground balls and in the batting cage. You know, at least he should have been dh So I'm glad that he got back out there on Saturday in game three of this four-game set, but they definitely, definitely need his bat in this lineup. There's no doubt about that. And that and takes again, us to game four, Crowley. We get to we get to Sunday. Cubs have a chance to uh, win the series and not split. The Cubs' record on Sunday is abysmal. Jamison Tyone, he's been doing better. And then Jordan Montgomery, who knows? But the Cubs win this one 7-2. to two. Um, we're going to talk about Cody Bellinger when we're done with this game right here, but there is not one hotter hitter in the planet right now than Cody Bellinger. He's ridiculous. Pitcher Jordan Montgomery couldn't clean in the first inning. Jordan Montgomery, the pitcher couldn't cleanly field a grounder by Ian Happ that would have ended the inning. So he gets the air on that. Instead, he had to face Cody Bellinger who proceeded to hit a two run Homer Dustin. Why on God's green earth? Did the Cardinals not walk Bellinger in that situation with two great, outs great and question. one on? Great question. Unless they're just like, well, you know, our season is what it is. We're going to give this guy an opportunity to pitch against uh, one of the hottest hitters in baseball. Yeah, bad mistake on that one. The Cubs Whoops. would score five more in the third with the bases loaded. Cody Bellinger hit a sack fly to make it 3 nothing. Dansby would single to make it 4 nothing, And the big blow came when Jan Gones doubled to score two runs to give the Cubs a 6 nothing lead. They would score one more on a Trey Mancini single to make it seven to nothing after three innings. So the offense continues to stay hot. But to me, Dustin, 
How about Jamison Tyone? A nice start. You know, it's, it's good to have that early run support. Let's put it that way. You know, you're up two or nothing after one inning. But Jamison went 5.2 innings, gave up one run on seven hits, one walk, and six Ks. To me, Dustin, another step forward. Absolutely. That was a big, big effort. And, uh, and uh, you're right. I think having that uh, two nothing lead, you know, get state to that. I think that changes the mindset. You're able to attack the strikes on a little bit more. And then they added a bunch more in the third and uh, he was uh, settling in nicely, settling and, in nicely. And not only that, the Cubs offense gave manager David Ross a big enough lead. He's able to rest the regulars in the bullpen. When you're talking about Elsley and you're talking about Merriweather and you're talking about lighter and a lot of the guys that have been used a lot, lately and so it's it's michael rucker and anthony k and javier asad who finished this one up i think asad's looked really good lately um dylan carlson did have an rbi single in the sixth and the eighth but the cubs would win this seven to two taking three out of four which we said was necessary with this series but that doesn't happen dustin without cody bellinger my god if you take a look at cody bellinger in his last 10 games 436 average 1.324 ops 15 RBIs and five homers. I mean, that's pretty good. Not bad. And when we talk about homers, most home runs since July 6, Austin Riley's on the list. Giancarlo Stanton's on the list. Freddie Freeman and Manny Machado. But number one tied with Machado is uh, Cody Bellinger. And then how about this OPS against left-handed pitchers? So Cody Bellinger's a lefty. You think that, you know, that's going to be tough. He's in the top. He's with Freddie Friedman and Kyle Tucker and Shohei Otani. He has a higher OPS against left-handed batters than Shohei Otani this season. 1.067. The man's going to get paid this offseason. That's all I know. He's going to, if he continues like this, there's no doubt he's going to make a ton of money, Dustin. But, you know, uh, Bruce Levine, as we talked about, has kept saying he sees Stroman getting traded and the Cubs keeping Bellinger, trying to get in his good graces. And maybe he's the big free agent offseason signing for the Cubs. Hopefully so. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two, episode 55. Cubs, club, the Cardinals. There's not much better to say than that other than sweeping the Cardinals, but they did club the Cardinals, that's for sure. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley talks to Gabe Ramirez, diehard White Sox fan and radio host over at 670 The Score and B96 to talk about the Crosstown Classic. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast TV and 670 The Score radio host and lifelong White Sox fan, Gabe Ramirez. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. You know, just uh, ready for this series and uh, ready to be disappointed probably more so than anything else. Oh, man. So I got to ask you, you know, you and I are roughly the same age. Do you feel that maybe because of interleague and all that stuff that the Cubs and White Sox matchup has the same intensity in the past or do you think it's mellowed out a little bit some? I think that you know, when it's at its peak is when both teams are performing at a high level, right? And I think that when there's disinterest, it's because, you know, the organizations themselves aren't putting the best product on the field. And so, you know, it loses a little bit of the lure there. We understand that. I mean, we've we've seen days when, you know, AJ's been punched in the face, right? And we've seen fights in the stands. Uh, But we've also seen games that are half empty because, you know, people don't want to show up to see two bad teams. And it's unfortunate that that's where we're at right now. Right, right. And, and I got to ask you, as someone who grew up in the area, are, are, do you think it's okay for someone to root for both teams or, or do you feel <laughs> pick a side, man? Where, 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 do you, where do you lie on that issue? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it, it should depend on your, like, your age range, right? Like, 
if you're 10 to 10 to 20, whatever your opinion, you're just, you're just arguing at the barbecue. You're not really, no one's really paying attention to you in your twenties. I think you should have a little bit of loyalty, you know, pick your team, you know, kind of figure out who, who it is that you like. But then once you get in your thirties and above, it's like, you, you love who you love and you hope that the other side does well. You should, you shouldn't hate the other side is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't, I don't like the fans. You know what I'm saying? Those, those are the ones that get on my nerves. The ones that hate the other side. I can't help but to say something. What kind of fan are you, Carly? I, I, I am a hundred percent die. Here's what I tell people. I am diehard Cubs. And when it comes down to it, I, I am, my loyalty is a hundred percent Cubs. And when the white Sox won the world series in 2005, I just didn't watch it. I just couldn't. It was too hard because, you know, as, as an, an older guy, you know, I still get ribbon from white Sox fans and I give it back. It was like, Oh God. So I, I, I can't in good conscience root for the white Sox. I don't root against them. I don't root for them. That's kind of where I yeah. stand. I'll tell you, I'll tell you when the Cubs won the world series, I was sleeping and the way I found out was the fireworks going off. Right. So that just goes to show you my socks dumb versus my cub dumb and what, I, how much I care about the other team. I was like, I woke up and I was like, Oh damn, I guess the Cubs won the world series. And I just went back to sleep. That's absolutely. That's funny you say that because my neighbor, when the White Sox won in two thousand five, every game that they won in the World Series, he'd light off fireworks and uh, that waking me up. But it's you know what, man. Like I said, it, it it's fun as long as you know everyone doesn't take it too serious. I think that's the thing is that like, you know, we're we're gonna be you know we're gonna we may have our own different rooting interests, but I've gone to Cubs Sox games with Sox fans. I've I was at the cell when uh, Michael Barrett punched AJ Pruszynski. So, I mean, I've gone both ways and I'm hoping to go this week, uh, this next week coming up. So, you know, I, I just love the fun of it. And I love that we have two teams and you can kind of draw sides as long as you just don't act like an idiot. You know what I mean? That's a great point that there's one thing we can not take for granted. And it, and it is that we have two teams here, you know, in Chicago, I always talk about the fact that, you know, the year after Chris Bryant won the uh, MVP, I still made it out to Wrigley. Because I wanted to watch as a baseball fan, you know, the best player or who was deemed the best player in, in the majors. And so for me, it was a treat, even though he wasn't playing for the White Sox, to still have opportunities like that. Or whenever a player comes into town, obviously prior to this season that played in the other league, if you weren't if you were a fan of theirs, but, you know, their team didn't come see your ball club. But once a year at that, you know, you can go to the other side of town. So that was always fun. Yeah, and, and so Gabe, for for our our Cub centric listeners right now, why don't you tell us give give us your kind of breakdown of the season so far for the twenty twenty three Chicago White Sox? Yeah, and for, for the Cubs fans that are out there, it, it was it's been tough growing up as a Sox fan. I'll be honest, my dad is a Cubs fan, my brother's a Cubs fan. I just grew up in the era of Robert Ventura, Frank Thomas, Ozzy Guillen, Black Jack McDowell. Those guys kind of defined my childhood. And so therefore I kind of like leaned in that direction when it came to them. But um, the Sox themselves, come on. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's just a continuation of last season, right? There was frustration for all of us as Sox fans seeing what was going on, the underachieving that was happening from the ball club and then the front office, right? Where, you know, the, the assumption is you have guys in place that are, trying to do what's best for the organization in terms of winning. And the, one of the most difficult things to do is admit failure at that level, right? Because you are getting paid the big bucks to make those decisions, whether it's Ryan Poles, Ryan Pace, you know, or, you know, Jeff, or whoever it might be. And the Sox seem to be in that space right now where they've made mistakes and they can't seem to just admit that that's what they are and move on from them. They continue to try to live in this space of we hope everyone can play at a high level at the same time. And what we realize as fans is that that's just not a reality. And so that's why you see the dip in attendance. That's why you see the low voting for Luis Robert Jr. Um, you know, but that's nothing new for Sox fans, right, Carly? That's nothing new. I mean, Sox fans, if you're not performing well, they're just not going to show up because it's a smaller fan base, right? It is like a small market team in its circle of fan base that exists. And so if you're not performing well, they're not going to show up. And so we're waiting for a winner. We were promised one. We were promised at least the, the concept and the notion of a World Series winner or, or someone that could, a team that can't compete for that. And it's been so far from that, right? And so that's where fans are right now, where there's that level of frustration where it's give me anything new, anything new, because this season is just proving what we 
thought last year and what we were holding out hope that it wasn't this year. But the fact is, it is. And that is a, a team that isn't as good as we thought they were going to be. And that's it. And then and so there's, there were mistakes made and you got to give other people opportunities so we can cheer for, as fans, cheer for some new guys. Just cheer for anybody new. We'll cheer for them uh, other, other than the guys that are here in order to get us going again. Well, when you talk about mistakes being made, when I think about, so when the, you know, obviously the White Sox were starting, they did their rebuild and the Cubs were winning and everything was great and you guys were losing and rebuilding. But right when that team looked like it was forming, I thought that one of the biggest mistakes in baseball that I can remember was when uh, Jerry Reinsdorf gets involved and hires Tony La Russa. And while I thought that AJ Hinch was the one that was going to get the job, I remember a tweet coming out congratulating AJ Hinch and all this stuff. AJ Hinch, you know what he did with the Astros. And, and I felt that that was a huge mistake because I know the manager isn't going to determine this, that, or the other. But I always say from a Cub fan standpoint, I don't think the Cubs win the 2016 World Series without Joe Madden. And I feel like Tony La Russa, the game passed him by. I thought age was a factor. I mean, he's always going to be a good teacher and have a lot of knowledge. Not to say he's like awful, but that wasn't the coach that you guys needed. And I think that really affected your window horribly. Yeah, when you're looking at those 2016 Cubs, Carly, it's 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 clear that Madden was the guy to get the best out of all of them, to get each one of them playing at a high level regardless if it was some antics or a pat on the backs, kicking kick kicking the butts, um, you know, that existed there. And I think that with this White Sox team, the assumption or, or the, the the path forward was not who can get the best out of all of these gentlemen. It was, I have a guy who I think is really good and this team is really good. So everything's going to be okay. And that was the mindset as opposed to who can get the best out of these men that are playing on this team. And we, we saw what happened, right? From the very beginning with the hiring him after after the the, the the alcohol issue and even from that moment right and then from the ta just it just you're right it, it didn't feel right and of course people can look back now and be like oh well it wasn't larusa it was the team well yeah it's a lot of things right it's never just one thing it's always it's, it's it's a number of things that have to happen and it's just unfortunate that you know that's what's going on right now with the team but you know pedro Grafal, same thing people assumed that he was going to come in and be that dude and it's harder to get men that are settled in their ways and are comfortable to play at a high level because you have to what is the motivation right what's the motivation to get them to play at that high level and it seems as though the white Sox, for whatever reason have 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 not been able to get that from each player on their team at the same time so is it fair to say the, the, that the temperature on the White Sox fan base on Pedro Grafol is there is, is the jury out on him just yet or what what, what are the Sox fans feelings right now? No, I, I think there is some it's blame to go around. And I think for a first year manager, what he's dealing with, you know, should he have won six, seven more games? Sure. But I don't think anyone expects him to be some 10 game over 500 coach and who's just mismanaging the team. Right. And I, I think that's fair to say no one thinks Pedro Grafol is mismanaging the White Sox. It's just, it's, it's, if you're looking at the pie chart of blame, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't think he warrants a, a big slice of that. I think a lot of that goes to the players themselves. Yeah. You know, and, and, and when all, like I said, when the Cubs were kind of on their way down and they're selling everybody off, I was looking over at the South side of town. And I'm looking at the core. You're looking like names like Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, Carlos Rodon, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Juan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez, and Luis Robert. And I'm thinking to myself, these guys really have a chance to make a run. And now the talk is selling and, and, and which guys would you say are most likely to be dealt here at the trade deadline? Yeah, it's an interesting question that a lot of Sox fans have. And I think, you know, you have to be team specific if you're trying to see who really wants to take away some of these guys. Because, you know, a lot of those names that are still on the roster, you know, are there to be traded. A guy like Tim Anderson, no one wants to see him leave. Sox don't want to part ways with him. But if somebody really feels strongly about a Tim Anderson and will be willing to give up prospects and pitching prospects that are included as well, then. You know, they'd be willing to move on from pretty much anyone, like they've said, except for Luis Robert, Elo Jimenez. They've mentioned Dylan Cease, but, you know, there are teams out there that, again, if Dylan Cease performs well next year, you're not going to re-sign him the year after that. So he's not going to be in your window. So why not just get something for him? Like, it'd be just savvy, business savvy to get some body for him now. So to me, I think if you can get a haul for Dylan Cease where you make a couple teams 
bid up the price for a guy like him, to me, that's what you do. Dangle him out there. Let him be the most uh, precious gem that exists in, in, in the trade at the trade deadline. Leapfrog of Marcus Stroman. Be the best guy and have everybody just crabs in a barrel trying to get him. That, to me, would be the best idea. I think you keep Giolito. I know he'd probably perform well in another scenario, but we've seen a lot of guys go to the West Coast, to the Angels, and and sorts, and, and not perform particularly well. And I would love Giolito to stick around to be, as a guy like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Carly, like a Black Jack McDowell, right? Be the guy that a generation of fans can look to, like a Burley, that, that can say, hey, this is my guy. I rock with Giolito. You know, he's someone that can at least bring the fan base out. You can, fans can cheer for him. He can go 500 and no one would care because he's still our guy. So I would like Giolito to stay in that that space. And then, you know, outside of that, you know, you get, we might you might get rid of a Kendall Graveman. You know, you might, right, Reynaldo Lopez might get you some prospects back because he, he does want a different role on another team. So it'll be interesting, but there, there, there are things to be had. But I, for me, it's, I think it should be Dylan Cease at the top of that top of that list. I love Dylan Cease, but he can get you back the most at this very moment when there are teams very closely to each other in the playoff race and they can separate themselves with a guy like Dylan Cease if they're willing to give up some top-tier prospects in their farm. Now, we mentioned a couple times Tim Anderson. You mentioned, you know, with him and Tony LaRusa and then and, and the struggles he's gone through. It's almost been like a soap opera this year and i remember when you know the, the everyone was saying you know what this tim anderson guy is better than javi bias on the north side of town what do you do you think that what's going on in the field what his performance this season do you think it's it's a combination i'm sure of things but why do you think he's struggling to get back to that all-star level yeah i think first you have to commend tim anderson for reaching a level that no one thought he could reach Getting, having a batting title, silver slugger, being a guy that can consistently hit over 300. I mean, that is, uh, you know, unheard of in baseball to do it at, at that consistent rate. And so the pressure he put on himself, you have to you have to look at him and say, hey, man, you did this, right? You put this pressure to be this guy that a team, that you can carry a team like he can the White Sox, you know, be that guy at the, at the one, one, spot, one slot, you know, improve your defense. And yeah, I think that, what ends up happening is that, you know, you just can't do it year in and year out for a decade straight, be batting 330. It's just hard. Baseball is a difficult sport. And we all have lives and our lives are not the same every single year. They're, they are different and they're, they're, we're faced with new tasks and new challenges in our personal lives. And that could be a myriad of things. And, and, and so could that be something that's happening? Sure. Um, but I think it's just mere statistics and over the course of a decade you're going to have a bad season or two and, and i'm hoping that this is just one of them because i've got to be honest i i would i would love ta to stick around but but crowley you heard look at look at stroman how he comes out man i want to be on this team i i love this ballpark i want to be here you want stroman to be there no matter what just because of what he's saying i would if i was a cubs fan because that's what i would want ta to be saying i don't want him to be caught up in some drama of, of lip reading as to whether or not he said he wanted to be here no I, come out you know what the organization is rough yeah you know we're we're the we're the lovable losers but you know what i love it here and i want to build a winner because this is the team like you would love for him to say something like that so i love yeah. ta the player i have his clothing line i rock with ta but at the same time it's like you know he just maybe he's, I, he's the guy that needs a new new change of scenery i would think out of anybody you know, it's interesting because when you talked about Dylan Cease, you said they're not going to sign him after his contract's up. And, and, and you know, here's the thing. Jerry Reinsdorf has owned the team for a long time, and I've seen signs, and I, I don't know, I think there was a billboard or something, sell the team. And I've seen that more this year than I can, than I can ever remember. Do you think that when Jerry Reinsdorf, he's getting up there in age, but when that team gets sold, do you think that's going to reinvigorate the fan base? I mean, how long is that going to be right before that? Happens? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Right? Good question. Because probably he's a Chicago guy like us. Right. Like now he is right. And, 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 and his mindset isn't, oh, I'm going to crumble to the pressure of the fan. That's, that's not what Chicagoans do. That's not what the White Sox do. That's not he's not going to be like, OK, fine. You guys hate me. I'm going to sell the team. No, he does. That's, he's fine where he's at. You know, he still thinks he can put out a winner. You know, if he hires the right people. So I just think that's so far out from the present, right? I think that I think what would be cool is if 
is if Jerry does, you know, some one of my bosses in life told me when they were making changes and I questioned it and he said, hey, Gabe, you know what? Sometimes you just need a fresh coat of paint. Right. It's not about making the room look nicer or rearranging the furniture. He's like, sometimes you just need a fresh coat of paint. And I get it. And I think that I, I would hope that one day soon Reinsdorf just says, hey, you know what? Maybe maybe we do need to just like wipe everything clean and, and just, you know, new people, new faces, new everything. And I think that would reinvigorate the fan base if, if something like that happened. Yeah, it just uh, that doesn't seem to be the Jerry Reinsdorf way, and and he is getting up there in age. I don't want to I don't want to wish anybody anything, but that's the thing I just wonder about is when he passes, if you know, all of a sudden, then all this, you know, because I think people are frustrated with the we're going to keep Kenny Williams around doing God knows what for how long, and some like right. you said, just just basically keeping the same guys around, and and doesn't seem to be any consequences for anybody. Yeah, I think that you know you you would you would want that. But, you know, I think 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 about this, Crowley. Let's say your pops on the bulls and you were running it. Right. You're, you're, you're loving it. Right. But your pops also ran also owned the White Sox and you were kind of hands off there. But then let's say something does happen to your pops. You're not just going to let the White Sox go away. You're going to or sell it off. Right. You're not going to do that. You're going to go ahead and be full fledged involved in both of them as a human. That's what I would think. I mean, especially Michael Reinsdorf. I know him to be a really great. Uh, guy, very business savvy. So I can imagine he would want to take on the challenge of turning his White Sox into a winner after that. I'm just saying from a, we're having a regular conversation, right? That's, that's right. That, if, if, that, if it was me and my pops had that business, I would want to take it over and turn it into a winner. Yeah. Team. I, I, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Michael can do that because I mean, I just remember the turnover when you, you had dollar bill works at, at, at uh, with the, with the Blackhawks. And then all of a sudden Rocky took over and all of a sudden it just seemed like there was a, a, a change. And I wonder how, I mean, how much that would really reinvigorate the fan base, but as we sit here coming in this weekend, again, the White Sox just got swept uh, by the Twins. That had to have been tough. And 19 games under 500. So maybe the Cubs are catching them at the right time. You got Michael Kopech going one game and Lance Lynn going the other. What can you tell us about those two pitchers? Yeah, I'll tell you. What I'll tell you is that you ju you're, you're just not sure what you're going to get. Kopech had a decent outing last time out, but the time before that was rough. Again, it's just a topsy-turvy season that he's had over actually the last, you know, 18 months, he would say. So he could mow you guys down, you know, he, he can throw the fastball hard, you know, if the slider's working, you know, he's going to be do doing well. And if the changeup can get over the plate uh, for a strike, then he's going to be, he's going to be, guys going to be here for a tough night, but that's if he can find it. If he's uh, out of the strike zone up high with his fastball, I mean, you guys are, you know, a patient team, you know, so, so it could, you know, it could be tough because if some of your guys are sitting dead red and Kopech has to go, you know, a heater down the middle because he's behind, uh, you know, guys like Hap, Wisdom, Saya, I mean, they're going to make him pay. And, of course, Cody Bellinger as well. Uh, Lance Lynn, I, I think he is a guy that, you know, he'll get up for a game like this. You know, he's looking for something that to get him to get have him get up. And this could be one of those games. And uh, also, I think, he, you know, he's a he's a he's a thinking pitcher. So I think he'll do a little bit fair, a little bit better than Kopech. But again, Carl, you just don't know. Right. That, that's that's the reality of it. Kopech could go two innings. He could go six. Lance Lynn could go. Seven innings and, and give up five. You just you, like you really have no idea, uh, but you know that the guy they're going to battle. That's what you do know. Uh, you're going to get a scrappy back end of the White Sox team with Remillard and you know uh, Zavala's always going to play hard. That that's seven eight nine slot. They're always going to battle. And then if 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 the top of the order uh, can perform at a high level with, with uh, Benatendi and, and, and Tim Anderson, uh, then I feel like the middle of the lineup comes through when he, when they see guys on base. Well, Gabe, we always make our predictions at the end of the show. And so Dustin and I, I'm going to let you have a chance here to, to make your prediction. You got a two game series at the cell. Well, how do you see this playing out? Yeah. Two game series at the cell. I'm going to say first game Sox win like seven, six. I think Kopech, you know, keeps it down. Bullpen gives it up late seven, six. And then I think, the second game, who's pitching for the Cubs the second game? 
The second game for the Cubs is going to be Marcus Stroman versus Lance Lynn. Ooh. There should be should be a lot of scouts in attendance, Gabe. Yeah, <laughs> as I'm sure there are. Who's pitching against Kopech? Tell me, Carly, while I'm, while I'm saying this little thing here about Lance Lynn. So Kyle Hendricks is going against Michael Kopech. Okay, I take that back. It's going to be 5-3 White Sox because it's going to be a lower-scoring game. Lower-scoring game. 5-3. Kyle Hendricks has been pitching so well. Oh, my gosh. I've loved watching Kyle Hendricks pitch uh, since he's came back. It's just fun to I love I love pitchers like that. So you guys are lucky to have a guy like Kyle Hendricks. But that'll be a great matchup. Five three, or yeah, yeah. Vice, it could go either way. Five three on on the first game, the second game. Lance Lynn Stroman. Uh, Stroman didn't pitch well last time out. What happened there? What happened there? It's a good question. He struggled ever since coming back from London. So yeah. that's where we talk about the inconsistency here. Is we'll see what happens. Yeah. So if he's if he's if he's if he's if he's pissed that you know he's about to get traded and he's not getting what he wants, and he he throws anything two miles per hour slower to Eloy or or Luis Robert, Sox could win that one too. So maybe that's one of those games that gets out of gets out of hand. Maybe it's like an eight two White Sox. Oh, all right. Now you know how Eloy loves to perform against the Cubs. That's what I'm saying. Gabe, do me a favor. Tell her, and I want to make sure our listeners understand this. Gabe Ramirez is not just a White Sox guy. He no. covers all the sports, the Bears, Bulls, Hawks, everybody. White Sox, Cubs. Uh, when can when can our listeners listen to your radio show? Yeah, every night, 6 p.m. on 670 The Score, talking all Chicago sports, Cubs included, obviously, 670 The Home of Chicago Cubs baseball and uh Bear season's coming up. So Bears Unleashed Friday and Saturday nights on Fox 32. And then you can catch me on the post game after the Bears on Fox as well. Luke Canellis and Heron, Jim Miller, then myself and Corey Wooten on the post game uh, after the Bears. So that's the best out. post game, man. And I got to tell you, and, and where can they find you on the socials? Oh, at, at Chicago underscore Gabe, G-A-B-E. Follow me, man. I'll follow you back. All right, Gabe, I appreciate you so much for jumping on and talking White Sox with us. I wish you the best of luck after Wednesday's game with the rest of your season. <laughs> Thanks for jumping on, Gabe. I like it. Thank you. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Fly the W670 podcast in season two. It's episode 55, the Cubs Club, the Cardinals. Crowley, great job there with Gabe. Looking forward to that series Tuesday and Wednesday. But let's, uh, the Cubs get a day off today, Monday. Let's see what the standings look like as we uh, have a day off. Yep, the standings it's it's a never-ending roller coaster with the Cubs, right? Just when they just when you finally get out, they pull you back in. Milwaukee right now at 55 and 45, they're uh, they're hot right now. They've won 7 of their last 10, on, but they lost their last game. Right behind them is Cincinnati who has gotten hot again. They're winners of 5 straight and they are half a game behind Milwaukee and they face each other this week. So a great chance for the Cubs to keep kind of making up some ground. The Cubs are now three games out of 500, 48 and 51. They're 6.5 back, six and four in their last 10 with that three-game winning streak. Cardinals go in the other direction. Uh, they were hot coming in, but the Cubs give them uh, three straight losses, and now they are 11 games back. And so Pittsburgh is also 11 games back, three and seven in their last 10. So they are fading and fading fast. Yep, the Cubs are in the mix. There's no doubt about that. Luckily, the division is not very good. All right, a little bit of news. The Cubs so far have signed 19 to 20 picks from the 2023 draft. Only second-round pick, Jackson Wiggins, is the uh, lone unsigned player. What's uh, What news can you tell us about that, Carl? Nothing yet, but when you got 19 out of 20, that's good. But Jackson Wiggins, right-handed pitcher out of Arkansas, he was the guy that the Cubs got as the as, as – the, pick for not re-signing Wilson Contreras. They get a compensatory pick. So this is a guy you want to see get signed. It's always going to be a matter of money and, and, and we'll see what happens, but I, I'm hoping that they get this done. And by the time we talk next time, the Cubs have signed all 20 of their draft picks. Absolutely. All right. A guy that uh, went into the hall of fame this weekend, you know him well, I know him well. That was Pat Hughes. He received the Ford Frick award on Saturday out in Cooperstown. Let me just put tip the tip of the hat to 670 the score. If you haven't listened 
uh, to Pat's call to the hall, the special that the score aired on Friday night and repeated on Saturday. You can find it. I Googled it. I couldn't find it on the Odyssey app real well, but I Googled it and it led, it led me to a link that opened up the Odyssey app. But that was a great job that uh, tip of the hat to uh, Ron Coomer, who we had on last episode, uh, Zach Zaidman. They had so many awesome guests. And Chris Tannehill, you know what a wizard that guy is. Th- just a great job. And, you know, there was a lot of great, if you follow Mitch Rosen or you follow um, Zach Zaidman or any of these guys on Twitter, they had a lot of great pictures. And I, I got a feeling you and I both knew that Pat Hughes was going to hit this speech out of the park, right? Yep, you did a very nice job. Got to watch it off a of marquee. Thanks to them for that. So, yeah, real nice uh, special moment. I just wish, I just wish that uh, that part of the awards was included on Sunday with the players that go in. I understand it's right, separate, and- but I don't understand why it's that separate. What I actually Bob Costas talked about it in the call to the hall uh, show. He said that there was problems before where all of a sudden it got to be very long on Sunday. So in Cooperstown, it's a lot of there, on Sundays when the players usually go in, um, they changed it a few years back. I want to say like 2018. So um, that way it didn't get too long. So if you had three or four players and then had two or three of people who make it the Buck O'Neill award recipient, you got the writer, you got the broadcaster. Now you're going to have a real long day on Sunday. So that's why they did that. But right. uh, with Pat Hughes, I want I, I just, I, I took a little clip out of this right here because I think as Cub fans, um, obviously Pat talked about his past, his family, how he got into broadcasting his different partners, but he saved the end for Cub fans and I just wanted to play this just because clearly uh, just Pat Hughes is just a phenomenal guy. And I want Cub fans to hear this. And in closing, I have a note to Cubs fans. If I was writing you a letter, it might read, what an extraordinary group of people you are. I want to thank you so much for your unbelievable passion for the ball club and your support of me. When I got the call from Cooperstown last December, I, I truly think there were some Cub fans who were just as happy as I was with the news. You make me feel like I am a part of your family. You invite me to special events like graduations, bar mitzvahs, and birthdays. And I absolutely love those games at Wrigley Field, those close ball games where you fans are not just part of the ballpark atmosphere, you become part of the ball game itself. And you play a significant role in a dramatic Cubs victory. That happens four to five times minimum every single season. As a broadcaster, I feed off of your energy. Let me just say, it has been my extreme privilege to be one of your announcers for these past three decades. And before my career ends, I hope I get at least one more chance to say something like, The Chicago Cubs win the World Series! Thank you. I'm not going to lie. I'm tearing up a little bit right now. Um, I've, I've gotten to know Pat. I've gotten to talk with him. I've interviewed him on this podcast. I've worked with him. I had, I, we had a T-shirt thing we were working on for a little bit. I know his, uh, his, his, the guys at Autograph One that do signings with him. I've been there. I, he's been the soundtrack of my life uh, when it comes to Cubs baseball. Um, I, I, I can't say that this was deserving enough and so appreciative of what Pat has done for Cub hands all these years. And to hear him acknowledge us just the way that he does, he's just, that's just him. You know what I mean? Yeah, he totally gets it. Um, I'm guess I'm lucky enough to call him a teammate to a certain extent. Um, I've dealt with him a little bit, not as much as you, but like you have been listening on the radio long before I started working at the score. And uh, hopefully as he ended that, he does have that opportunity to say the Cubs win the world series once again. So kudos to Pat Hughes, kudos to everybody over at 670 The Score. It was a uh, special, special moment. And how about this? Also special Dansby Swanson back in action on Saturday off the IL. They uh, optioned Jared Young back out to Iowa. Yeah, yeah, Jared Young back in Iowa. I didn't see him, but I did see Nick Madrigal play when I was in Iowa. He uh, played on Saturday. He went two for three, but he was scratched from his start uh, on Sunday with lower body fatigue. But he looked really good in Iowa, so he looks, you know, hopefully the legs get under him a little bit and he'll be okay. You remember Brad Boxberger, he will begin throwing bullpen sessions, so he's progressing. Um, he's going to start that on today on Monday. And Brandon Hughes, the lefty, has started playing catch, so we'll kind of keep an eye on those guys. 
All right, here we go, Crowley. We got the Cubs, Sox, the uh, first two of four games. Um, I don't like how it's set up now. I don't like two games in the middle of the week. It should be one three-game series over the weekend at the other person's ballpark every other year. That's how you could make it special. This is not special. Now it's just another four games and two games in the middle of the week. Can't stand it. Right. I'm not really a big fan. I like your idea. Um, last season, the White Sox underachieved again. They went 81 and 81, finishing 11 games behind the first place Guardians and missed the playoffs again. Tony La Russa at age 78 stepped down as manager when the season ended due to health issues that kept him out of the dugout most of August and September. They made some additions in the offseason. They added Andrew Benatendi, who's been having a pretty decent year um, in left field. They also signed Mike Clevenger. That was a whole awful saga with accusations of spousal abuse and child abuse, and it was a mess. Um, they did have some key losses. Obviously, Jose Abreu, who was the cornerstone of the White Sox for many, many years. Johnny Cueto, who had a great surprise season for them last year. A.J. Pollock is gone. Vince Velasquez, Josh Harrison, Danny Mendick, and Adam Engel. So the biggest offseason move, again, was, was they hired Pedro Grafol former bench coach for KC as their new manager. That being said, Dustin, the White Sox, once again, underachievers, and it looks like they will be sellers at the deadline. They're currently in fourth place with a record of 41 and 60. They're 19 games under 500, 12 games behind the twins in the AL central. So, I mean, for White Sox, the fans, fact that they, they, they went up to Minnesota Crawley, they had an opportunity to, to, maybe change some things around. They needed a sweep, and not only didn't they get a win, they were swept this weekend up in Minnesota, losers of seven of the last ten. Yeah, just, just – just, It's, it's got to be really tough to be a White Sox fan right now because they had this window. They had this window, and they've done nothing with it, and this window is about to be shut solid. Well, again, the, the thing I tell people is that when the Cubs were playing game seven of the World Series – before the game, I told myself, these truly are the two best teams. They deserve to be here. And no matter who wins tonight, I, I expect both teams to return to the World Series. And and th that was my mentality. And all of a sudden, Dustin, we should know better as Cub fans. You see how hard it is, and you see how quick that window closes. And the White Absolutely. Sox built a really good core with Rick Hahn. Jerry Reinsdorf put his nose in where it didn't belong, hired Tony La Russa over A.J. Hinch, and I think that's going to be – People are going to look back at that in White Sox history as one of the biggest blunders of all time. That, to me, is their equivalent of Brock for Broglio as far as a decision that affected their the the future of their organization. Yeah, all right. Enough about the White Sox. Let's talk about the Cubs versus the White Sox. Game one, Tuesday night, Kyle Hendricks versus Michael Kopech. This is an interesting matchup. Two very different styles of pitchers. Yeah, Dustin, and, and what do you think, man? There's probably going to be a ton of scouts in attendance with both of these teams possibly being sellers. You know, the C Cubs looking like they're still trying to fight to keep it going, and the White Sox, not so much. So I, I anticipate that there's a good portion of that crowd's going to be scouts looking at, all, you know, a lot of these guys like Kyle Hendricks um, or Lucas Giolito that may be traded. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, 3-4 and four with a 338 ERA. His last start against Washington, he went six innings. Gave up five hits and one earned run. Um, that was his last start against Boston. He's, that was the one he struggled, 4.2, eight hits, five earned runs. And he also struggled a little bit against the Yankees. So, um, you know, obviously Boston and the Yankees are a much, much better team than the Chicago White Sox. Uh, when no, we, Not even close, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, and, and the wind was really bad that night that we watched. I was there when against Boston when the um, when the Red Sox were in town. So, I mean, I kind of just put that in the back of my head as well, that that it was, you know, Kyle Hendricks is definitely not a guy that's going to benefit from wind blowing out. But when we talk about Michael Kopech, um, he's a guy that's kind of really had an up and down season. Uh, one of those disappointments for the Sox this year, you know, you thought that maybe he's going to break out. He's four and eight with a 429. His last start against the Mets, he did really well. 4.2 innings, gave up two hits, one earned run against Atlanta. He got the loss. He only went 0.2 innings. He gave up four earned runs. And against the Angels, he went four innings, gave up four hits, two earned runs, but seven walks. If you look at his last three starts against the Mets, he has four walks. Against the Atlanta, he has four walks. 
and again, the Angels, he has seven walks. This is a guy that, that, that is going to give you some free passes. You have to be willing to take them. Yeah, you got to be have smart approach, no doubt about that. You got to go up there knowing that. I'm sure they're going to pass along those stats to the Cubs lineup that night. Right. Now in game two, Dustin, two guys again that are on the block. So all four well, pitchers. this is where it gets interesting, right, Crowley? Like, I expect Marcus Stroman to make this start. I wonder if Lance Lynn makes this start. Again, both guys, both coveted right now. And, and again, Lance Lynn could be gone. You're right. As far as Stroman is concerned, we talked a little bit earlier about Stroman's struggles. Um, you know, he took the loss against St. Louis, only went 3.2 innings, gave up four earned runs. You know, errors are going to happen, but that doesn't excuse four walks, Dustin. And that that also really hurt him. Yeah, that number's got to come down. There's no doubt about that. Against Boston, he had his best start in a while. He went six innings pitch, gave up one uh, earned run and three hits, but and he only had one walk in that game. But before that, against Milwaukee, five innings, he gave up four runs. He also had four walks. So in two of his last three starts, he's walked four or more batters. Got to fix it. Can't can't have it. It's it's not the recipe for success at all. So that and that's on him. That he can't blame the he can't blame the bad the bad third baseman or the, the, the shortstop that's, you know, an all-star second baseman who's filling in, you know, stop it, you know, get your head right, get the ball over the plate and don't blame anybody but yourself. All right. Well, we got Lance Lynn on the other side with a six and nine, uh, with a six nineteen ERA right now against Minnesota was his last start. He went 6.2 innings, gave up six earned runs on eight hits against Atlanta. He gave up four earned runs on six hits going only 5.1 innings. He had a good start against Toronto went seven innings, gave up one hit and zero earned run thing about Lance Lynn. He gives up the long ball. So uh, hopefully the Cubs offense remains hot and they can uh, make him pay if he makes those mistakes, which he has been prone to do. I know they don't turn on the fireworks when the opposing team hits uh, home runs over there at 35th and Shields, but hopefully they'll, uh, you know, on the uh, Cubs bench, they'll do some type of little fireworks show for all the long balls that Lance Lynn hopefully will be giving up. All right, Crowley, hot and not. Let's go. All righty. Is there anyone in the world hotter than Cody Bellinger? No, he's 11 for his last 24, two home runs, nine RBIs. In the last seven days, he's slashing 458, 462, 792 out of this world. And right behind him, Seiya Suzuki, 10 for his last 26 with a home run and five RBIs. He's slashing 385, 429, 538. So though, both of those guys looking really, really hot. Yeah, about time, Seiya Suzuki. That's good. And the Dansby Swanson looked okay over the weekend. Uh, Ian Happ looked okay over the weekend. So you're seeing a little bit of the core getting uh, together at the same time. Now, on the not side, your first guy, Trey Mancini. Two for his last 13, no home runs, one RBI. He had that single to drive it in, slashing 154, 154, 308. And Christopher Morell's in one of his slumps, two for his last 13, zero home runs, two RBIs. And he's slashing 154, 353, 154. The one thing Trey Mancini does tend to do, though, it seems like he hits with runners in scoring position. Yeah, he does. So at least there's that. So hopefully there's an opportunity for him to do that on Tuesday and Wednesday over at 35th and Shields. And uh, the hot Crowley for the White Sox is Eloy Jimenez and Tim Anderson. Of course, Eloy Jimenez, because we got to have that stupid thanks Cubs tweet that's going to come out when he immediately hits Cubs. a home run. Uh, he's seven for his last 16, one home run, two RBI slashing 438, 471, 68 in his last seven days. And Tim Anderson, who's had a very down season, has gotten hot in the right time. He might be good trade bait right there. 10 for his last 25 with three RBIs. He's slashing 400 and 464, 480. On the not side, we've got uh, the all-star for the uh, White Sox, Luis Robert Jr. Ooh, maybe a little bit of that home run derby letdown. Five for his last 27, one home run, one RBI. Get this, Dustin. He has zero walks and 13 strikeouts in his last seven games. Uh, he's slashing 185, 185, 333. Uh, also on the knot, you're taking a look at Jake Berger. He's three for his last 24 with zero home runs, three RBIs, slashing 125, 192, 208. Yeah, and then uh, Jake Berger was uh, doing pretty well out in New York against the Yankees. The uh, power was there, but uh, hopefully the power won't be there. It'll be a little power outage, if you will, at 35th and Shields. Absolutely. All right, Crowley, prediction time. Two games, 
Tuesday, Wednesday, 35th and Shields, the place. Uh, the Cubs have a couple of their best pitchers, if not their, you know, two of the top three pitchers, Hendricks and Stroman going. I'll let you go first. I hate even game series. Two games or four games. Um, the White Sox are on the ground. They're done. They know it. The Cubs feel like they have a chance. There's nothing the White Sox would want to do more than spoil the Cubs party. But I'm going to keep it positive and say the Cubs take both of them. I am too. You're exactly right. But they got to go in there that first game. Put that uh, the old proverbial foot on the throat. All right, that's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow the socials, Fly the W on Facebook and Instagram. You can email us, fly the W670 gmail.com. And Crowley, you know it, but you can watch us now on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Hey, Cub fans, let's head down to the to U.S. Cellular. Let's go to the south side, take over their park, cheer on the Cubs, push them through. We can all be cheering. Go Cubs! <laughs>